You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Na, 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 na. Hi, Hannies. It's Amiria Sai, and you're back for season two of The Take On. Hi, y'all. It's Amir Yas. You know I'm obsessed with TikTok. I love it. I live on it. I see all of your comments. And I just, when I came across this in TikTok page, I was just like, my heart came out of my chest. So I found Ika McLeod and, you know, her son, Evan. They're so adorable on TikTok. I'm obsessed and I can't believe I have Ika herself here. Um, How are you? I am doing really great. How are you? I'm good. I just, I mean, literally when I found that video, um, I know that that video has gone like hella viral um, where you're, you know, taking Evan out and he's getting his nails done and he's, you know, in that like cute dress and just like living his best life. And a lot of people were just so like, it was so heartfelt and it wasn't about like pushing, you know, as a lot of people outside the LGBTQ always say, you're pushing an agenda. It didn't feel like that. It just felt so organic. It was like the boy wants his nails done. So the mom's getting it done. Like it was so organic and authentic. Um, Were you nervous about posting it? Were you like hesitant at any point? Talk to me. On Honestly, no. Um, we have been on TikTok for, for just now this month, a year. And so um, I already I already kind of have a good idea of when I post videos of Evan doing certain things, what the comment section is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So um, and I mean, bottom line is this is my child. I am his parent. Um, what I'm doing is right by him. So, you know, it comes down to, you know, what, what makes him happy. And he really loves having his nails done. He has little nail polishes here at home. I posted the video because honestly, my mantra when it comes to social media is to post what brings me joy, Mm -hmm. not necessarily what might bring other people joy, because ultimately at some point, the social media journey is going to end for most of us, right? Kids grow up or we get busy. So I always, use um our pages basically like a photo album of our lives and i share that with other people and ultimately you know some videos do well and some don't do well at all but when i look back at it i don't get stressed about that because ultimately i'm looking at it and going this made me happy this memory elicits some sort of great emotion or, you know, whatever, um, kind of related to that, lots of serotonin in me as their mother. 
I think every video I post is viral worthy because they're my kids. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, no, it, I don't get nervous about posting things or what people are going to say or think. I loved the video. It was a moment um, that actually occurred. Hmm, this was right before the shutdown. That video was in March. So I'm using a lot of um, a lot of videos we recorded and I or I recorded uh, prior to COVID and prior to the shutdowns and posting because those memories remind me of a time when our lives were different. Mm. And I love looking back at that. I love that. And I, you know, as of course that video, like you said, you were very comfortable on TikTok, but take me back a little bit farther back when you first posted, were you ever like nervous? Like, you know, a lot of people on Instagram or TikTok are like, I'm not going to post my children until they're ready. Or like a lot of celebrities do that. Did you, were you, I want to go back to the beginning, like that first post of Evan in a dress or, you know, gender presentation that's different um, than the rest of the world. Right. And which I love, but were you nervous then? Because I know it's something to like, cause I became so comfortable as well. Like I used to post very like kind of like almost like heteronormative photos. And then when I got comfortable in a wig and a dress and makeup and nails, like that took a while for me to get there. Was there that, was there a process for you as far as posting? Um, no, I, I think, uh, I've always been a very against, against, excuse me. I've always been a very against the grain kind of female. So I am a single mom. I am also a single adoptive parent. All my children are adopted through foster care. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you, <laughs> there's a lot of things that have been leveled at me, um, in my life. You know, I am a woman of color. I'm Mexican and black Cherokee. There's, there's so many things. I am LGBTQ as well. I am queer. I am ace and biromantic. So there's a lot of things I've already worked through in my life. And again, I've just been that, I just have that personality. I could you know, most of the time, if I'm being honest, yeah, there's always those little things, but about 99% of the time I could care less what other people think. Mm -hmm. Um, because <laughs> I just, I just don't care. I'm like, you know what, honey, you're not paying my bills. Okay. You want to mm -hmm. come over here and pay my mortgage? Then we can have a talk. But, uh, well, ultimately going back to the first dress, having children who are special needs and we'll kind of just focus on Evan here. Evan has two major conditions, autism and microcephaly autism, I think is very well known. Now it's become, um, the condition itself has come a lot more to the forefront. People are aware of it. people have different concepts of what it looks like, but generally speaking, autism is not something like, what is that? Everybody knows. Right. Um, then you have a condition like microcephaly, which little is known about it in the general public. So it basically means his brain is too small and or not growing. So he has two very serious conditions that, you know, are affecting a lot of how he lives his life. And when Evan was younger, his sensory issues, which are still very strong, were really difficult for him to manage. And a lot of the time, I just posted a recent video of and talking about this and how I started taking him into, to Disneyland. And when we started going to Disneyland, you know, he was still having, you know, he wasn't making eye contact. He couldn't speak and he didn't understand the characters, the cast members. And then just continuing to take him, um, brought him, I said, you know, slowly he began to come to life. And that's really what it was because I have so many videos of Evan just either screaming and crying, um, which is hard as a parent to watch that, watch your child go through that, 
or kind of looking just for lack of a better term, almost dead behind the eyes, Mm -hmm. just not there. And, um, the first time he put that dress on, it was specifically a snow white dress. And (laughs) I have people are like, you know, if he couldn't talk, how could, how did you know he wanted to dress through the magic of sight, Karen? Um, he, he could, he, I, I'm so sick of people thinking special, they equate special needs with stupid. My children are not unintelligent. They know what they want. They know what they like. He mm-hmm. could point, he could grab, he could whine. He could, you know, there were like, there's so many other ways we communicate as people outside Absolutely. of language. And Absolutely. Evan would do just that. And I knew my child, he wanted that dress. Um, so I bought him the dress. That it never occurred to me to have an issue with it. It never occurred to me um, to consider something you know wrong with it or weird about it. My child was happy. He got that dress, and when he put that dress on, I still have the pictures in the video. He just lit up, mm-hmm. and you know I, I try not to go back too much to those videos because I do get very emotional about it. He just lit up, mm-hmm. and. I, and then that's when, and I posted that other video that went viral with the cast member, Megan, who had mm-hmm. run into us. I bought the dress too big because to be honest, I don't wear dresses. Uh, my daughter doesn't wear dresses. So I didn't know what size to get it in. He was tripping. He tripped and fell. Um, and she Ooh. saw him and she came up. Yeah. And of course it was obvious that he's a, you know, a gender speak, gender, like speaking in gender. He's a boy. Cause he had a mohawk. Um, mm-hmm. not that a girl can't have a mohawk, but he had a mohawk and she just fell in love with him. I explained to her that, you know, I failed as a mom. I had a mom fail moment. I was like, I got the dress too big, clearly. <laughs> but, um, she walked us back. She got him a dress in the correct size and told us to keep the other one for him to grow into. And I still have both oh, of those dresses. Um, she proceeded. I love to, that. Yeah. I, I love that. Both dresses. Yeah. Um, she proceeded to take him by the hand around the park. And I've posted a lot of videos about that on both of our social media pages and give him the absolute best day of his life. And you can see going back in those videos, kind of how he's just observing. He's not the, the bright, you know, smiling, laughing, joyful Evan that we know now he's different. You can see. So it's really cool to see the progress. So when I posted the video of him in that snow white dress, I absolutely received a ton of, you know, hate comments, transphobic comments, homophobic comments. Um, and ultimately what I do is just, you know, block and delete, block and delete. So to me, anybody who has an issue with a child, you know, in a dress, you know, which is just material, they have, they obviously have their own issues they need to process through related to their sexuality. So that's their journey, you know, and I love that journey for them. Just don't bring it, don't bring it to my doorstep. (laughs) I respect that. And I, I remember I told someone early on when I started my Instagram, they were like, Oh, I don't this, I don't like all this gay stuff. Well, it's not for you. Like Mm -hmm. my page, is not for you. Your page is for you. So you spout that hate over there and I'll do my thing over here. And I think a lot of times when it comes to children, people think, like you said, oh, he can't make a decision. He's special needs. Like my cousin um, is autistic and he makes a lot of choices. He can ask for things. He can request colors. Like this idea that like your child being special needs, they can't make their own decisions. And that like, because we're queer, we're tricking them or forcing them into it. You could see him light up. 
when he puts on that dress. So I love that you mentioned that. And, you know, speaking of that journey, like as a mom kind of going through all of that hate, does it like even I agree, block and delete, block and delete, but does it ever leave a little residue or because of your intersectionality and kind of what you've been through, you're just kind of like, you know what, I'm like a duck. Let it just go right off my back. <laughs> um, it, that would be a Disneyland duck, right? Yeah, of course. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm human. So 100% there are, you know, every now and then there are comments or messages <clears throat> in my like DMs or whatever um, that do kind of stick. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. little bit of salt in, in a wound kind of thing. Um and there's, they're always the same, you know? So I just, in fact, I just received a comment and I took a screenshot because I thought, wow. And it was, um, it's a minor. He's clearly like high school age. And I was blown away by the comment because I thought, whoa, like, you know, honey, somebody needs to get you some help. He stated, Mm -hmm. and this is, you know, you can always cut this out if you want to. You disgust me. You are a sick and twisted individual. God bless you. I will be praying for you and your disabled, mind-warped, hell-bound children. Oh, oh, okay. I love that you brought God into that. Yeah, he was a gem. Um, (laughs) The lady who marries him is going to be very lucky. (laughs) But, it's um, probably more likely that it's a gentleman, honey. It's someone that's struggling with their own sexuality. No one gets that upset if they're not struggling. Any of the hate that I got, most of those people came out mm-hmm. about 10 years later. Because there, there is like when you're thriving, people are that are not are frustrated by that. So remember what happened with Harry Styles? I mean, he's an adult and he wore a dress and people freaked out. So let alone when a child does it, people think it's like this big thing. But is there a double standard? Because my sister spent most of our childhood in my clothes and it was totally fine. But the minute that I wanted to put on one of her things, it was a big no-no. Is there a double standard? Like, it seems like girls are allowed to kind of gender bend a little bit more than men. Oh, gosh, 100%. And that is really frustrating to me as a parent. Um, The number one thing people assume, they don't even take the time to educate themselves, is that clearly... I force, which is always the accusation, Evan, into traditional female attire because, you know, I obviously wanted a daughter and I'm looking at my three and a half year old daughter like, I'm sorry, you don't exist anymore. Okay. So there goes that tax write off. (laughs) I can only have a sense of humor humor about this stuff. I mean, I I think it's disgusting. My daughter wears, um, and beyond disgusting, it's super disturbing because what you know we as women you know and and coming from a woman's perspective and thinking about all the women's rights movements it's such a big deal but those movements should include the queer community um and mm-hmm. that is men wanting to dress in what we would typically consider female attire but we do ultimately as a society need to get away from this idea that material has a gender right like i wonder what gender my bedspread is I haven't asked them what does my comforter go by he she <laughs> they that like <laughs> but ultimately the thought processing behind the idea that um 
you know, women are allowed to wear pants or, you know, like crop tops, for example, I think were initially uh, men's attire. And now you see, Evan loves crop tops. You know, you see a male in a crop top and you're like, oh, the number one thing I hear is that's so gay. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) what about that makes it gay? His abs look amazing. Her abs look amazing. And even if they don't, you know what? Rock it. It's, Rock it's it. really, yep. our, our society focuses on the wrong things is Absolutely. I think that where I'm trying to go with that. Our society is so focused on, you know, this is what you should be wearing and this is what you should be doing if you're a boy or a girl. And we're not stopping to go, hey, how is this affecting someone's mental health, their mental well-being, their emotional well-being, you know? Is there nobody wants to educate themselves anymore? And that's what's really upsetting. Um, to be honest, I was absolutely shocked that I mean, I think we're, you know, when I say we, I really mean Evan. Uh, at 1.3 million followers on TikTok. And yeah. when I started posting, even on Instagram, I just didn't think anybody would be interested in anything we do or say. And I'm still just, again, completely shocked that people are so interested in the fact that Evan wears dresses and skirts. It's It's become a trend. I mean, I've seen it with, um, there was that dad on TikTok that, you know, was like, my son can't wear an Elsa costume to the, um, to the theaters. And then he decided to dress with the son. And I think people are always so shocked. Yeah, Scott and Mel, we talk, we talk a lot. So actually his wife is originally from Southern California where I live. So when they do come out here after the, you know, the whole pandemic, it's a lot safer and everything. Um, we're actually going to hang out, let the kids hang out. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. See, th- that's the beauty. Of, I think that's the beauty of social media when it brings people together. And I think that it does can pull you apart, but it can also bring you together. And I think for a lot of young people that would listen to this, if you want to start a page, be authentic to who you are. Like you said, I post these things that make me happy. It's not always about making everyone else happy. If you want to be on TikTok and you want to just dance and be heteronormative, that might not be who you are. So you got to do what kind of speaks to you. And I think when it comes to this journey um, for Evan, when people say like, you know, you're you're forcing him to wear these dresses, et cetera, et cetera, that journey of adoption do does Evan choose you or do you choose Evan or do you both choose each other? Like, I, I think adoption is so beautiful in that way that like you're talk to me a little bit about that journey of adoption. Um, I, I adopted through foster care. So the, the process, the journey is a little different than if you adopt privately or you adopt, a, you um, go through a foreign adoption. So that mm-hmm. means that I was a foster adopt parent. Now, in foster care, if you're, you know, doing foster adopt, you can say, I don't want to foster. I want to wait till a child becomes available that, you know, it is like already basically moved to adoption. So I actually fostered 18 children in my time as a foster parent. And the children I have, my children were basically the ones that could not go back to their biological families because their biological parents were not safe. Um, Mm. And, or in Eli's case um, had abandoned him. So the journey is, it's extremely emotional. And when I do, I'm always shocked that people are so interested in adoption and foster care. I do get a lot of questions about that. And again, it's because it's so normal for us. And I hate the word normal, but for lack of, it's so typical for us. It's just a part Mm -hmm. of who we are, but, um, it's a very hard journey when I always, when people find out they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to, I want to foster and I want to adopt. Oh my gosh. And this, that, and I, I have to tell them honestly, like, um, 
it is probably one of the hardest things you will ever do emotionally, mentally, physically at times, depending on the situation. Um, I don't know if I would have the strength to ever do it again. It's, it's not even a roller coaster. It's just when I tell people, I don't want to say it's hell by any means and compare it to that. But basically what I tell people is I've walked through fire for my children. I walked through fire for my kids and I walked into the foster care system. You know, I think like most foster parents, you know, you come in, you're bright, you're bubbly, you're excited, you want to help, you want, a lot of us want to become, you know, forever families, forever parents. And so there's all these things that go into it. And then you step into a system that isn't built to support you whatsoever. And a lot of times isn't even built to support these children, unfortunately. And it is just a chaos, a whirlwind of emotions, almost a hurricane of emotions. If I had to really kind of keep on that climate path there that I'm on, apparently, um, you know, I, for a long time after my journey uh, as a foster parent and adoptive parent, I, I couldn't cry. And I would tell people right. like, I can't cry. I'm all cried out. Like every tear I could ever cry <laughs> for the rest of my life. Like I felt like I had spent it. Um, it took, it took probably a couple of years after I was really done for me to start being able to cry again. Cause it's just, it was so, it was such a difficult journey and I walked into it with no mental health issues. And I came out on the other side on um, psychiatric medication. So you don't leave the system as a parent untouched. It, it is something that, and it affects every parent differently. I can only speak for my journey, but it is, it's incredibly traumatizing because ultimately you attach to these kiddos And with my children, I also knew it wasn't safe for them to go back. So there's such an innate amount of fear. I think it causes some level of PTSD because you're having to trust social workers who keep quitting, um, don't get paid enough, don't have enough support in their, and you know, their own jobs, um, and attorneys who are, you know, all these people have a ton of caseloads, judges who just see you for, you know, your child or their case for five minutes, once every three to six months. And that's done. And you have to trust people, um, with the well, essentially the well being of what feels like your child. And you, you know, you hear the horror stories of some of these kiddos going back and, and really, really bad things happening to them. So, um, the children that did leave of the 18 that I have, that were placed, they were always placed with family members. I never had personally in my journey, I felt comfortable every single time one of those children was placed with one of their family members. Usually it was like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. So, um, I've heard other foster parents say, you know, they just, they, they place this child, they're, they're at this family member's home. And I know they, you know, all these bad things. And I was really lucky not to have that. So every child that did leave my home, I felt very safe about where they were going and very comfortable with it. Um, And, you know, it was nice to kind of wish them well. And um, yeah, so it's a really rough journey. I think I, it really did feel like I've been to hell and back in that journey. People always ask, you know, will you foster again? I'm like, no, when I tore up that license, I was done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I tore it up. I video recorded it, you know? Um, they ask if I'll adopt again. And I tell people, no, ultimately as a single mom with three special needs children, 
um, I, I have, there has to be boundaries there. I have to think of their well being and continuing to take children would, would pull my focus from the three of them. So yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think it's it's amazing to be self-aware in that way. Because I think a lot of times when you are, uh, my friend just adopted a baby as well. People are always like, from the outside, are like, oh, when are you going to adopt again? It's like, it's almost like people project their own desire to be helpful in that way onto someone who's doing it. And you're like, I've adopted three children. Like I'm, you know, I'm at my, you know, wits end and I've done it and I'm happy, but like, I can't take on more. But do you ever feel that way? Like people are projecting their own kind of crap onto you when it comes to adopting? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, especially insecure females. I've gotten uh, multiple Mm -hmm. times. I've gotten the comment, like, aren't you afraid? No man's ever going to want to marry you with those kids. And I'm like, oh my God, Susan, I didn't even think of that. Okay, I need to call CPS and see if there's like a return or exchanges policy. You know, <laughs> um, Eli, too much. Um, specifically my oldest, he is seven. He is amazing. Eli is full Chinese. He is just absolutely precious. He is a bright, shining star in this very, very dark world. And Eli mm. has severe cerebral palsy amongst a slew of other conditions that I won't go into because they're crazy um, to name them all. And Eli is wheelchair bound. Eli will never walk or talk at some point. um, Eli will pass away. I will, I will bury my child. And so he is extra precious to me because he is like such a gift. He's just here for a little bit. Um, Eli. Well, they say some people are too bright. Huh? To be here, they, I, I love this saying where they say, um, one of my friends is a child oncologist, and he said that some children are too bright to, to become adults. Oh, yeah. And the I think world, that like, that stayed with me. <laughs> uh, the world does not deserve Eli. He is just, he is such a ham. So with Eli, when I got the call for him, they just knew he had, at that point, short gut syndrome. I had to train medically to be able to bring him home. He was in a medical center. So it's like, a medical center is basically a step below the hospital, but it's like, you're not quite ready to go home. He had a Broviac line coming out of his heart. He had a G tube, the whole, the whole nine. And so, you know, I kind of felt there was something else going on because he was a little older when he was, I think seven months old. I told the doctor, the pediatrician, he had just come home with me a couple weeks before. And I was like, I think he has cerebral palsy. She kind of blew me up. We had a good relationship, this pediatrician and I. So she's like, no, this and that, you know, 
And so he's just too little. And I remember telling her, you know, like, okay, but you know, I'm just going to go over your head to get the referral I want. So you should just give it to me. And she did. And three months later, he was diagnosed. I was right. But when people do find out like, oh, you didn't know he had this major condition, severe cerebral palsy, and he'll be sitting right there and they'll be like, if you had known, would you not have taken him? Are you seriously asking me if I don't want my son? (laughs) He's right here. He can hear you. His hearing works very well. Um, So yeah, people do project a lot of their own issues, um, insecurities, like all those things onto, onto, onto us. I wouldn't even say just me, but onto us as a family, because they, they can't believe that somebody would quote unquote want a child like quote unquote that. And you know, this is, it's just a very normal lifestyle for us. This is like, again, I hate that word normal, but this is our life. It doesn't, it doesn't seem different to us. Exactly. And I think that that's the beauty of, of acceptance and stepping into your life. You know, like a lot of people are like, oh, it must be so hard. And I get that a lot. People project like, oh, if I was in your position, like coming out in a, you know, very conservative Muslim family, I would probably kill myself. I'm like, you're projecting that stuff onto me. And that sometimes we get what we can carry. Like I can tell by the way you talk and your energy, somehow somewhere God gave you some sort of strength, like to be able to take it all on and not be jaded. And like, you were very honest. You said, this led me down. I'm having to go to therapy and I, you know, the drugs and, you know, it's tough. Like you have, it's a lot of pressure, but in some ways, like you're made for it. And it's like kind of, I mean, it's weird, but it's tragically beautiful. The both of us were made for the lives that we got. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And I, you know, like, you know, people can look at it as weakness or whatever, but ultimately you and I are human. So yeah, I'm going to walk through a journey like that and come out on the other end and say, okay, something's going on and go to a psychiatrist, get diagnosed. And of course I'm put on psychiatric meds because I'm responsible. You know, I want to manage the symptoms. I don't want to be an unhappy person because then if I'm unhappy, my kids, they're going to, they're going to see that, you know, they're going to feel those things. And so I'm, you know, in my own way, teaching my kids, Hey, you know, it's, it's a million things. We lead by example. And in this case, I'm very open about having anxiety, being on medication for it. And I want my kids to grow up seeing that and seeing, Oh, here's how mom manages it. And this is totally safe. This is okay. If I'm, if I'm feeling depressed or anxious or anything else, we can talk about it. It's okay to get help. It's a good thing. So ultimately all the things I go through, um, I'm open with my kids age appropriately, of course. I want them to see that. They they need to see those things because someday I won't be here and they have to learn to quote unquote function in this world. And I want them to do it as um, as smoothly as possible. I don't want the transition to adulthood to be traumatic for them. Absolutely. And I think a lot of parents would benefit from doing that for their kids. I think a lot of parents hide things mm-hmm. and they shield their kids, quote unquote, and then Kids don't have, like, I didn't have the tools to self-soothe. I had to learn that through five, six, seven, eight years of therapy. So I think that, yeah, yeah, that's amazing that you're able to pass that on to your kids. I love that. Um, Ika, I want to ask you to wrap up. I want to ask you what, for people that don't follow the McLeod family page, which they're missing out, what can they, what are they in store for? What does the page foster? What's the energy? Like, what will they see? 
Um, lots of positivity and acceptance. I mean, ultimately, you're seeing a lot of things on our page. Um, a variety of different diagnoses, cerebral palsy, autism, microcephaly. You're seeing adoption, foster care, um, LGBTQ, uh, gender fluidity, all kinds of stuff. And my goal with our pages when I made them public was not necessarily to even educate people. Those who don't want to be educated won't be. You know, and I both know therapy only works if somebody's willing to work with it. Um, so what I do is just offer people a small glimpse into our lives in the hopes that maybe we might change a few minds and hearts. That's it. Easy breezy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like, and that's all we can really hope for, right? With creating our pages. And like you said, we're going to get the hate, but I always try to sift through the hate and find the love. And there is a lot of that. So I try to focus on that as much as I can. But, you know, some days are harder than others. And like you said, we're all human. So um, I loved having you on. I think it's, I love your page. And please tell everyone where they can follow you and keep in touch. Okay. Um, so we're on TikTok at The McLeod Fam. And then we are on Instagram at The McLeod Family. Amazing. And we'll tag everything so y'all can find them. I loved having you on. And this was the first in our series of TikTok finds. And we're going to keep bringing you all of these amazing profiles on TikTok that really speak to me. And y'all know I cry all the time, but I'm always going to bring you the pages that make me do that ugly cry. Thanks, everyone. And thanks again, Ika McLeod, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.